0: When your ideal customer's kids are begging every night to read your book, you've won. At Dinosaur House, we turn industry leaders into kids book authors. We don't do it because it's a super fun thing to do, although it is. We do it because it's highly strategic. Imagine if every night your customers are being asked by their kids to read a book that your company made. Talk about brand affinity you're helping your customers connect deeply with the most important thing in their lives, their kids, over something that they are passionate about that has to do with your industry. If you want to have a conversation with us about how your brand could become the author of a kid's book, just hit us up, dinosaurhouse.com. Hit the little button that says, schedule a story design call. And we'll have a jam session together on just what your company's kids book could and should be.
1: I'm Tracy Benson, CEO and co-founder of Obsesh, the leading sports marketplace and creative platform for athletes. We turn athletes into entrepreneurs, and I'm a purpose-driven entrepreneur.
0: What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Tracy Benson. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on.
1: Thanks, Timmy. I'm I'm so honored to be
0: here. So I'm excited to talk to you, Tracy. Before we get into it, if you could just give our listeners a little bit of context on you, if you want to say something about your professional background, and then specifically, I'd like to know how exactly does your business work, as in what do you sell to who and how, and what's been your growth like?
1: I've had a career that has spanned probably three key areas. I started out as a NCAA athlete that then played professional volleyball in the early days uh, and tried to make a career out of that. That crash and failed, which I'm telling you that because that's important for today's yeah. discussion. Second, I went to work in the consumer business for Arthur Blank at the Home Depot and helped them build that company into a scaled company. So I got this like deep experience around retail and set up and built those markets all across the country. It was amazing. Then I went in and I said, Hey, I want to be the world's best marketer. And it was at the time when marketing was just really coming to a digital space and landscape. And so I had the benefit of like seeing the early starts of YouTube and Twitter and being their first advertiser. And then I went to Best Buy where I was the head of digital there. And really what I would say is stopped floating the river and figuring things out, but really took my career and took it to the next place. And so then from there, I decided I wanted to be a part of the revolution out in California. And I wanted to help build some cool young brands like uh, Beats and Monster and GoPro and Seek Thermal and came out to California and started to build those into global icons. And came back to a problem that I see existing, which is same problem that I had 20 years ago and millions of athletes have had and get every year is they can't, athletes can't turn their skills, those high demand skills into a business. And so I launched Obsesh and Obsesh makes that easy. And we want to be the entrepreneur platform for athletes worldwide.
0: I love that. Why do you think it's so hard for athletes to turn, to, to turn their skills profitable?
1: You've got a great uh, question here. Athletes are really good. They have perfected their mind and body to a skill set that is about athletic performance. Sure, you know, 450,000 of those athletes who are what we call NCAA athletes, go to college, some go four years, some go two years, some go one year, their purpose, like their purpose driven plan is to be the best athlete in the world. And the challenge has been, it hasn't been easy for them to monetize those skills. And so it's just really been in the last, since the start of social media where fans and consumers want the athlete, they're seeing the personality, They want it, they wanna be like them, look like them, train like them, know how they go through what they go through, but there just hasn't been a place that supports athletes. And unfortunately the sports business was not built for the athlete. It was built for the teams, the leagues, the governing systems. And we're just flipping it on its head and we're helping take sports and putting the human back into it, connecting athletes with consumers to what I say is level up all their obsessions for athletes to level up their entrepreneurial career and for consumers to get that passion that drives the world and both parties have never been able to connect because it's just too complicated takes so many skills you got to be a technologist you got to be like an seo expert you've got to like launch 25 you know shows a week on youtube and how how, do athletes They're not good at content creation. They're not good at all the things you and I have to learn in the business context. So our platform just gives them a simple place. We're built for athletes by athletes. We know what they're good at and we make everything else simple for them so they can drop in and they will help them do it all.
0: I love that. And I love the premise of it, that you want to help athletes become entrepreneurs. I have a friend who's a Olympic gold medalist. And, she worked, and she's and she got a book deal, and she works a day job as a lifeguard. And I was like, I can't believe that you're working a day job as a lifeguard, given like, what you've accomplished in life.
1: Yeah, I mean, let me share something with you, and especially with your listeners, because you're bringing up something uh, that's not known by everybody. Less than 1% of all the world's top athletes, that includes our Olympians, who represent our country, who train day in and day out, that includes you know, all kinds of athletes, whether you're a professional uh, gravel cyclist, you're the top triathlete in the world, you're a swimmer, you're a tennis player. Most athletes, 99% of them don't make enough money to pay their sustainable bills on a monthly basis. And so it's so stressful for them, what they do, just like you said, your friend goes and gets a job lifeguarding. People go like myself, I went and I worked at a cattle auction because I wasn't allowed to make money. I was an athlete, you know, working for the NCAA, so to speak. And most people think athletes with these amazing skills make all this money. They don't. It's complicated and nobody's paying them. The only people getting paid are the 1%. And usually the 1% have a giant team around them to help them make all that money, like agents, agents and brands, and sponsors. The rest of them, they struggle to get by. And so that's what we're doing is we're helping them be able to drop in. We'll support them. Our team support them. Take all the barriers away. Remove all the side hustles and shit and take a new side hustle, your own.
0: I love that. Um, So Tracy, before we hit record, I was saying that I wanted to ask you about a particularly hard problem that you've had to solve within your business, and you brought up trying to raise money as a female entrepreneur. So could you talk about that for a little bit?
1: You know, raising money in uh, in the venture world, or whether you get it through banks, or you get it through your friends and family, or, you know, just like an athlete, you're working as a lifeguard to put money into building your own podcast. Or your own content. It all, nothing's free in this world. And so, as a woman, it's just been a lot harder. Uh, we're changing that, and you know, we're equalizing things. But it's been a lot harder for women to raise money. And a lot of it comes down to it's not that women aren't as skilled, because the data shows they are. It's not that women, you know, aren't running successful, sustainable, profitable businesses because they are. The data shows they are. The challenge has been most women haven't been in the venture capital firms or business. And so it's our natural behavior to do business with the people like us, right? Like athletes hang out with athletes, CMOs hang out with CMOs, podcasters hang out with podcasters. And so it's been incredibly challenging. And you have to you have to have, you know, a strong confidence and conviction and a sense of self. But I think the most important thing is women don't always tell the right story that needs to be told. And that's where we're learning to get out there and, and be better storytellers and have more confidence and put ourselves out there.
0: So I'm curious what exactly you mean when you say women don't often tell the right story. And then for any, uh, female entrepreneur who's listening, what would your best advice be for things that they should start doing more of or, stop, or start doing less of um, when it comes to trying to raise money?
1: That's a great question. I would give two pieces of advice. The thing to do more of is know your why and communicate your why. Don't change your why because somebody has an opinion about it. Know your why. And the best thing you can do is share your story, your why, and find the right people that relate to your story and wanna support your story. So don't know it, synthesize it, and communicate it. And I think that goes for everything, even in the business you're building. We don't feel like we serve every athlete. We think there's a place for every athlete, but we also know some athletes aren't the right fit for obsession at this right time. So know your why. Your second piece of advice, what to stop doing is stop sharing your story and your why and trying to convince people that aren't aligned with your why. Just move on because you're spending time in the wrong place. But if you don't know your story and you haven't, you know, really checked that at your door, you know, don't spend time opening everybody else's door in the venture world if you don't even know your own story. Because I think that's what people buy is they buy, you know, not just your skills and your traction. That's sort of anecdotal. What they really buy is people, they buy team, and they buy why and they buy your purpose, which is very relevant for this podcast.
0: How, how does someone go about trying to find people to back them that are aligned with their purpose? Maybe that's a simple question. But I've not gone around, I've not gone trying to raise money. So I don't know exactly what this world is like.
1: It's a great question. And it's not simple. It's about as simple as you want to start a uh, Instagram channel and you want everybody to come there. <laughs> That's about how, I mean, it's complicated, complicated and there's nothing simple about it, but there are some basic constructs, building blocks that you can do. So one is start with knowing your why and your story. Two, there are tools that you can use and people you can talk to to share your story and look for other investors that have a likelihood to care about your story. So as an example, I'm about to start another raise right now and I'm not interested in talking to investors that you know, are not looking at investments in sports, in the future of work, in marketplaces or platforms. I could talk to you about healthcare, but that's not what we're solving. And so you can target your prospects and use tools like talk to your friends, use LinkedIn, talk, the more you communicate your story and you look for people that align to your story, websites, you can use Crunchbase, you can use things like Signal in the Bay in San Francisco where I could say, I'm only looking for investors like this. Then it becomes about what's the communication you're going to tell them and the truth is out of maybe 150 firms that have an interest in what we do now it becomes about are they a good fit for us are we a good fit for them and you don't know that until you sometimes reach out cold but my thing is i'm always looking for somebody i'm six degrees away connected to so i can at least have a warm introduction yeah and Take each one of those like it matters. Don't boil the ocean. Give them a single sentence. This is what we do. We'd love to talk and learn more about you. And just be thoughtful in your plan and work your plan. Have a plan, work your plan, know your story, and find people that align to your story is my basic advice.
0: Yeah. I think one of the most underrated skills in entrepreneurship is the ability to be very thoughtful about cultivating relationships with the right people. And it's like a very simple skill in one sense, but it, like for me personally, it's been hard because on a strengths finder's test, I don't score very high on relationship building. I'm very good at rapport, like quick rapport yeah. building, like Together. I can have a conversation with you and it goes well, but the actual effort of like building a relationship and, you know, cultivating somebody from, you know, a person that you just met to somebody that would refer you to someone else. That's a very, very valuable skill to have as an entrepreneur.
1: It's such a valuable skill. And I got to be honest, it's really hard when you're just coming into the business environment. So let's use an example, like you're 25, 26, you're just out of college, you really want to be an entrepreneur. You just haven't had many life experiences quite yet to have those depths of a relationship. Whereas for me, You know, I'm a relationship oriented person, so I can go back, honestly, to like fifth grade and I'm still hanging out with my friend or college and all the people that have worked for me. You know, I talked a little bit about Home Depot. I hired hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands. You lose count after a while. And sometimes I walk in a store and no shit. Somebody's like, Tracy, oh, my gosh. Is that you? And I'm like, I'm trying to remember who is this? Oh, it's John, Johnny, Johnny worked on the lot. I hired him on the lot. And and Johnny's like, I'm a store manager. And I'm like, oh my God. And so that relationship, relationships are like a bridge. you got to build bridges in different ways. And the one thing that does benefit people is if you have relationships that are trusted, not just connections, that's the hard part about today's world is people want to connect, but where's the quality and the meaning? I've had the benefit of building quality and meaning. And so I rely on a lot of relationships and I always hope they rely on me, which I think they do. Cause they're like, hey, Tracy, do you remember that one guy from a long time ago? Could you connect me? And I'm like, absolutely. Let me do that for you. So yeah. my advice to you and others that like don't naturally lean into relationships think of relationships not of helping you today but relationships I promise you life is a journey and the relationships you might not see that person for two years or five years but you'll always be able to come back and connect to each other so take the time to get to know people even in a short way because that relationship somehow will come back and you'll want it, they'll want it, and you can provide good value to each other.
0: Uh, and you got to work at it if
1: that's not, not your, your normal, you know?
0: A hundred percent. Oh, that was so good. So Tracy, the reason I started this podcast is because I wanted to ask purpose-driven entrepreneurs the big question of what it is they're really living their life for. So when you think about a question like, how do I want to be remembered when I die? Or what am I really living my life for? What jumps out to you as most important?
1: Impact. Relationships and impact. If I can.
0: What? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, what really jumps out to me is making an impact on the business, the people in the business. I mean, at the end of the day, Obsesh is humanizing sports. Just using technology to bring, bring people closer together, right? And those relationships, that quality, I want to make an impact so that when Whether it's uh, this morning, I was talking with one of uh, our first employees just graduated college just a year ago. And he's like, wow, Tracy, I would have never thought I could be doing this because I had no idea this was possible. That's an impact that he'll remember. The athletes, that's an impact. Ultimately, I want to change the impact of all athletes all athletes have access, opportunity, and a pathway to financial freedom and do it in a way that some people might, the impact might be really little, like they might get some extra beer money for the weekend, or they might be able to make their rent just on the heels of finding out the Olympics is canceled again, and they have no way to do that, or they might be able to, you know, put away money for a financial future. I want to create impact in a way that changes the future of sports and puts the athletes first.
0: Why is that so important to you that it's one of the things you want to hang your life on?
1: It's important to me because most athletes grow up thinking about sports. That's our 24 seven. That's our, like, that's our passion. That's our purpose. It's only until you find out somewhere down the road, you can't put that passion and purpose into Financial security, or even healthcare, or you know, build a family off of it. And so, I was that athlete, it always bugged me when I was at Home Depot. I actually created this was 20, I don't know, 15, 18, 20 years ago. I created the first athlete work program because I was the athlete who couldn't do that thing, and so I wanted to help athletes. And this is just kind of coming full circle. I've done All I want to do as a chief marketing officer, building really cool tech products that people put on their head and put on their, you know, surfboards. Now it's about something that's actually uh, meaningful in people's lives. So they can choose to buy those things if they want, but it's really about full circle coming back to what everybody deserves and a highly skilled athlete deserves opportunities to make their own way, plain and simple. And we've got this time right now where NCAA athletes, so all those student athletes, we want them to have a choice of a different future than what everybody else had. And that's a ruling that just came about four months ago. And so we've been preparing for this. I've been preparing my whole life for it. Every athlete's been preparing their dreams for it. So we're going to make it happen. So that's the impact. And that's why. That's my why
0: how how did you figure out or when did you figure out that this is one of your deepest purposes in life and what would be a piece of advice that you would give to entrepreneurs that are trying to figure out how to think about their life's purpose or purposes that they want to pursue
1: oh man that's such a big question i think for Probably 15, 20 years, I would just noodle it and think about it. And you know, sometimes the purpose was like, oh, I want to be a VP, oh, I want to be a chief marketing officer, oh, I wanna like go to Thailand and figure out what I want to (laughs) be. You know, purpose is so hard. And I think the only way to really find purpose is to keep asking yourself, why is this important? Well, why? I I kind of use that method of the five whys. Like what really matters. And I think when it gets down to it, this was a purpose that really mattered. But I just didn't think I was willing to put everything else on the line to go after it. And my whole life, my whole career, and most athletes, when you tell them they can't do something and they know they can do it, they'll figure it out. And the culmination of the last 18 years in the consumer business and marketplaces and building huge you know, from ground up to scaled companies, I was like, there's nobody better to do this. And I got to stop complaining about it because if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. And I'm not going to be able to live with myself with that. So my purpose became very clear.
0: Do you ever struggle with imposter syndrome or was that ever a struggle for you?
1: Imposter syndrome? No, I'm pretty transparent. I'm pretty, sometimes I live probably too out loud, if you know what I mean. Um,
0: but you never and, struggled with the question of like, well, am I really the right person to be solving this problem?
1: I think I did question it over the course when I was, you know, working in other jobs as, you know, growing my own career. I was like, well, why isn't the NFL solving this? Why isn't the Olympics solving this? Oh, okay. The Olympics is going to solve it. Well, no, not really. And it wasn't until I really, um, took a step back to say, you know, people lean into life in different ways, and they have their own purpose, and they have their own agenda, and I just had heard from far too many athletes that continued the same story, and so I just said, who better to solve it, honestly, than me? I know the business. I know sports. I know creators. I know content. I know community. I know marketplace, if I don't do it, somebody else might do it, but I got to stop complaining about it. And so no, for me, it's always been, if you complain about it long enough, you think about it long enough and you realize you can change it, I'm going to do it. And I've always had bosses that are like, Hey, Tracy, you know, that thing you're complaining about. Great. Now you own it, fix it. And so I'm a fixer. I'm a problem I appreciate solver those at, the, bosses. at the end of the day. I've had, the, you, I've you, had
0: that too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. You need some of those. And sometimes you're like, oh man I wasn't looking for that answer I was looking for you to fix it listen I also know when you bite off something like this it's not going to be easy it's a grit it's a grind it's hustle um, you know and you don't have all the answers but that's part of the fun is I can lead in a sort of uh, a gray zone it doesn't need to be black or white and so that's actually when I I do my best work is putting those relationships around me, bringing the creativity to life, try it. I always say, if you fall down seven times, get up 10. And we're going to fall down seven times, no doubt about it, because we're paving a new way, doing new things. And for your audience, remember, falling down is learning. Just get back up and do it differently. Just keep going.
0: This has been a really fun conversation. I have two for fun questions I want to ask you before you go, Tracy. The first one is I'm a kid's book author. I believe that part of leaving a legacy is reaching kids. What's a topic or idea you'd make a kid's book about if you could? And you don't have to share your really juicy one if you don't want to, but maybe you could just give me a taste of it.
1: (laughs) I want to give you a taste of it. So I'm going to paint the picture for you. It's Sally, the centipede. Okay. The centipede. I believe they typically have, let's call it a hundred little, uh, arms, Sally, she's got a couple short, so she's not quite like the others, but she's got this tenacity and she finds herself going on this journey, you know, feeling confident until people come across her and they're like, whoa, Sally, but you don't have the right number of legs. Oh, Sally, you can't get up that tree because you're a little bit short on your legs but sally's almost like the hero she's like she doesn't even know what she doesn't have because her passion her purpose just keeps driving her forward and it's that. about tenacity and it's about you know i want every little girl to see themselves and sally the centipede who just keeps going keeps you know blazing new trails, new paths, doing new things. And when life comes along and says, can't do that. Oh, you don't have this. You don't have that. Sally just keeps going.
0: Yes. I love that so much. Um, Okay. My last for fun question for you, Tracy, is what is something that you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, I suck at a lot of things. I'm always the first to say, like I don't have the perfection of a lot of things. Um, what I suck at, I would say is this year's been a challenge and it's taken something that's really hard for me, which is we're now in this remote environment and I'm building a company by the sheer nature of the health crisis in our country. I'm building a company that's starting remote. I suck at trying to pull out innovation in this remote environment because I'm so used to building teams that collaborate whether it be my team in mm. Germany or a team in you know Chicago or San Francisco people are used to being together and now we're in this environment where we're building fast and this year we have plans to hire more than 40 people how do i build that in a remote mm. environment and still get people feeling like the relationship is strong and it's there and you have time to have freedom about the cabin. So I'm going to say today by my own standards, I kind of suck at that, but I want to be really good at that because I want to pave a new path for a great company with a great culture and people that want to feel like they're together, not just on a zoom room or a video, you know, that freedom of feel together.
0: I got to connect you with a, a friend of mine named James Carberry. He runs a company called Sweetfish. Um, and that's been like a big passion of his. So they've been remote from the beginning. And one of his biggest passions was creating a team that feels like a cohesive, uh, like like people that hang out, but they're yeah. all from scattered across the U.S. And I think he's done a great job with it. They're seven years in. And when I worked there, it felt like, oh my gosh, like you you've, you've, it felt as close as I think you could get to feeling like you were in an office environment, Uh, like in a a good way. I mean that in a good way. Yeah. There's Um, a perfect
1: example. I need like great people around me to help teach me that. So bring it on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying I'm good at it. I'm certainly not good at it, but (laughs) my friend James is really good at it. Tracy, this has been a really fun conversation. Uh, Where are you most active on social that you would want listeners to connect with you?
1: Great question. I would love for you to connect with me on LinkedIn. Would probably be you know most relevant on the business side. So I'm under Tracy Benson. Uh, Instagram Tracy Benson two because somehow I created Tracy Benson one. And I don't know what <laughs> happened. So Tracy Benson two was my reset. <laughs> exactly. And uh, please feel free to connect with me at Tracy at Obsesh. Think of all your sports obsessions. Obsesh dot com or find me anywhere else right here on this podcast.
0: Love it, thank you, Tracy. Thanks for being a guest.
1: Thank you.